I want to let you know, we, uh, we were supposed to have a special meeting, a members meeting today after church. We have pushed that back one week to next week. Uh, due to there's going to be uh, quite a few people out, a lot of people going to church with their moms, wherever they may be going to church. So we wanted to let you know that that special business meeting has been pushed back to next week. So just wanted to give you that announcement, number one. Number two, if you have a bulletin, scratch it. Uh, save it for next week, because I'll be in that text next week. And I wanted to share with you, uh, the good Lord's been working with me and dealing with something in my heart. <clears throat> and I wanted to kind of switch up, and what I did was, Amanda goes through so much work to prepare these, and she has me come in at 8 o'clock in the morning and drop the bomb, so uh, sorry for that, and thank you so much for what she does. But I wanted to read something before we got started this morning, and, and I want everyone to hear this. Uh, you know, to those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced a loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointments, we walk with you. And forgive us when we say foolish things we don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we'll grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who have lived through a, a ring of stress, medical test, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nest in the upcoming year, we, regrieve, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. I wanted this morning to talk about mothers. You see, what I'd like to share with you this morning is a very interesting verse that you will find in the text that has made its mark in biblical history. It's very simple, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm going to read this simple passage. <clears throat> For I am thank mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is well in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we study this text. Let us focus on the path that you have laid before us. 
that we celebrate the life of a godly mom wherever and whomever she may be. Lord, let us not forget nor take for granted the importance of a godly homestead. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. It's in your name I pray. Amen. What you will see right here in 2 Timothy is a writing to Paul to Timothy. Timothy, of course, would be a young man who would accompany Paul on his second and third missionaries' journeys, and he would also be the bishop of Ephesus. You see, Timothy was a young man who was raised by a Jewish mother and a Greek father. He was interracial. He had a believer and an unbeliever in his household, but God used him for his glory. And the reason that I want to bring out this text, and I ask that all moms that are here, whether you're moms, adoptive moms, whether you're school moms, whatever it be, I pray that you listen to this this morning. Because I want you to know that this is so important that only one verse is dedicated really to, in Timothy, dedicated to Lois and Eunice. You'll also find this, uh, the, the, the fact of it in Acts when Paul makes his missionary uh, journey. But you have one dedicated verse, if you will, dedicated to two people who have made their mark on biblical history. And it must have been important for Paul to include them. And he says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. Now, I want you to look at the word sincere. It comes from the word, root word, hypocrites, or hypocrites, which means the root word comes from that that is not real. Sincere means you are true in your faith. You are steadfast. You are dedicated. You are real. You see, back in the older days, and even in, 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 in Roman Greek history, what you would find was people who used to put on masks. Hypocrites were actors. You hear me? So what he is saying here is, you are not an actor, your faith is sincere. Which dwells first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. And I want to take this one verse for a few moments and do a little exegesis on it. Now you say, Chad, there's no word, verse ever stand alone in Scripture. That's absolutely right. Everything is surrounded by context. So I'm going to give you the context before I give you the verse. Here Paul is encouraging the young man, his protege, to press on toward the goal to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which you have been taught first in the home. Okay? And to continue that journey, to be encouraged that he who began a good work in you will see it until the day of completion. So that is the context in which we look at First and Second Timothy. But this one verse, in this verse 5, I give you this exegesis. And I'm going to tell you three points that I have drawn out of this. Now, you don't have to write these down. I'll get to other points in just a minute. But I want you to look at three words that stood out to me in this uh, examination of this verse. Number one, it's generational. It started with his grandmother, and then with his mother, and then with him. I don't think a lot of times we realize the value of a godly home. That it began with his grandmother, and then his mother, and then him. I want to tell you something. I pray you listen to me real good. 
The values you leave in your home are worth more than the valuables you leave when you die. The values you leave in your home are worth more than the valuables you'll leave when you die. Don't let people fight over what you have. Let people rejoice in what you've given them. It's generational. Number two, it was influential. Because not only did this grandmother make an impact to her daughter, her daughter and grandmother made an impact to Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany. Timothy made an impact to Tiffany too. Timothy. You're on my mind in this sermon, so I'm going to bring you out, so I just spoke a little earlier. But, but here's the deal. It was influential. You don't realize that the conversations that you have in your household and the actions that you make will be regurgitated by your children later. I have heard so many times, listen, you know, I'm just going to be real with you. Have you ever talked to somebody or seen somebody's child? Well, they're just like their mother. They're just like their father. That can be good or bad. How you influence your children says a lot about you. I often say this many times. How many of us have blamed the millennials for the situation that you're in? We're in. You raised them, people. You raised them. All they do is want to play video games and stay in the house and stay in their bed. You allow it. Kids don't want to play Red Rover and get their heads knocked off when they're trying to run through another line. They don't want to get out and do the things we used to do. Why? Because we've allowed technology to raise our kids. And if you do that, then what will they do? They'll do the same thing. They just influence others to follow the same path that you will allow to happen. It's generational. It's influential. The generation lived on the foundation of Jesus Christ. They influenced their grandchild and son to live for Christ. And it's continual. Number three, he went out with guns blazing for the work of Jesus Christ. I can take that out of this verse. It's generational. It's influential. And it's continual. And I want to give you this morning a couple of things, or three things, that I pray that you'll get out of this verse and recognize too. And every lady that is standing here, every adult lady, every young lady, that may be a mother or an adoptive mother or a school mother, or whatever it may be, as the poem has said, we need you. And we need each and every one of you to set the example that God has placed upon you to set. You may say, Chad, well then how am I supposed to be generational, influential, and continual? I'll tell you, number one, that you pray unceasingly. This is one thing that amazes me. I, I was telling Tiffany, I remember her grandmother. One day when I was a young man, we lived in a duplex across the street from them. 
And I had stayed over at her, uh, uh, her grandpa's house because there's a box- boxing match on. Her grandpa loved boxing, and I love boxing. And I remember her grandmother walking in in that long nightgown she had. And she said, good night, everybody. I love you. I got to go say my prayers. And she walked into her room, and she prayed. Now, here I was, a lost man, and that's been almost 30 years ago, but I still remember it. Because the impact that that made on me to know that this little lady went and prayed for her family, and she prayed for others that they may know to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You pray unceasingly. I want you to understand that even if your child is prodigal, you pray unceasingly. The power of prayer is immense, and we spend more time doing other things than we do praying. How much time do you spend in prayer for your children? Do you think those prayers are in vain? They're not. Because I want to explain to you something. How many have heard of the great church father, Augustine? If you haven't, look him up. One of the founding church fathers, if you will. You see, Augustine had a mother that prayed for him. Her name was Monica. And Monica would pray and pray and pray for her son to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. She begged the Lord, Lord, please save him. And this lady continually did this. She continually sought others to pray for her son that he may come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what happened. One day he did. The the pastor that she went to said, please pray for my son. He said, ma'am, as much as I hear you praying for your son with such passion, I cannot believe that he won't be saved. God save Augustine. And nine years or nine days later, his mama would die. And she would make the quote, take no mind over my body, nor where to bury it. Her work was done because she prayed for a son to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he did. And she died at peace. Could you lay your head down at night knowing that if you left this earth, your children would be in the midst of Christ? You say, Chad, well, I don't know that my children would be saved. What if I die before then? You have to pray in faith that God is going to work. Ladies, listen to me. One of the greatest women I ever met in my life was the name of Esther. And Miss Esther, when she, when she got older, her husband got Alzheimer's. And she would pray for him. And she would pray for her son. And she would pray, pray, pray. And when they put him into a, uh, uh, to a home because he had Alzheimer's, she got an apartment beside him because she felt as the wife and the mother of his child that she was devoted for him. Oh, if marriages look like that today. And she prayed and he left this world. And I had the awesome privilege to speak at his funeral. And she rejoiced in the death of her husband. Why? Because there was no longer any Alzheimer's. And he was at home. 
She didn't pray that her husband was physically healed. Listen to me. But she prayed that through this, her son would be spiritually healed. She prayed for him continuously. And she told me, Chad, I may leave this world, but I know in my heart that God's going to save him. Do you pray with confidence like that in your house? I have to believe that these two women that left this mark on Timothy, they left it because he seen the actions of their faith. It was sincere. It wasn't hypocritical. It was real. And let me tell you something. Your children will actually see who you are or who you want them to see you be. But let me tell you this. They know both. And kids will rat you out in a heartbeat. I've often said this. All I need to know is two things, and I can tell you how your family life is. You let me look at your billfold, or let me talk to your kids. I'll tell you anything you want to know. But understand, ladies, please, you pray for your children. You got to think about this. Back in this time, him being a Greek father, he was very dominant in his household. Timothy's dad. But he had two women in there that prayed and stood for the right of God. Let me tell you something. I don't care who's in your household. Men, listen to me. Men, you should live godly lives. And you should lead by godly examples. But if the men ain't, women step up and get your children in church. I'm going to tell you something. That's why I was going to say Tiffany said a little bit earlier. But I'm going to tell you about my wife. See, y'all don't know me. A couple of you do. They knew me back then. There's a couple here. But let me tell you something. Before Christ saved me, I was lost too. You see, when I got married, I had two little boys right off the bat. I'm 51 years old, and I've said I've never known not to have a child in my house. My older ones are gone. I got grandkids and I got two 12-year-olds here. And I thank God for it. Kids are a blessing, people. They're not a hindrance. They're a blessing. Given to you for a time being by God. But my wife, we had no money. We had a car that looked like it would throw a smoke screen every time you'd go up the road. But my wife had them children in church. And she prayed for me. She used to have people call her and pray for me. And pray for them children. You see, I can't take back what I was. But I can tell you what Christ has done in my life now. And her prayers were not in vain. Because the same Jesus Christ that saved me, saved my older boys a little later in life. I'm going to tell you, never underestimate the power of a godly influence and the power of prayer. You pray for your kids. You may be sitting here, you don't know my children. You don't know what they're involved in. But Christ does. And we talked about this this morning. Do you not think he's big enough to save? He's more than big enough to save. You keep praying that your prayers, I promise you, are not in vain. Number two, 
You teach the Word of God consistently. Look, the church is not created to raise your kids. This may come as a surprise to you. I don't care about your youth programs. I don't care about who does what the best. I don't care how many attend. What I care about is how people are living in the pews, raising the kids in their home. Let us be a supplement, not the sole source of instruction. If you send in your kids somewhere to learn about Jesus, then you need to reevaluate your life. They should be learning it from you. And I know that strikes nerves, but hear me. You said, Chad, I'm not knowledgeable, but there's no greater gift than knowing your kids see you reading the Word of God. I cannot tell you the power that is used in the opportunities that are given to share the Word of God to your kids. Look, my oldest son's an attorney. We used to argue about everything, even Scripture. But I'll tell you this, I praise God for the opportunities to sharpen iron. I never will forget, there's been many times in my ministry that people have come up to me, Chad, will you talk to my son or daughter about Christ? You do it. We're the supplement. The foundation is began in the home. You see, here's the thing, what we believe here at Living Way Community Church. We believe that we have your children and we have you adults for one hour a week, maybe two if you come. What we try to do is build on a foundation that Jesus Christ has done started in your house. Now, what if you say it is not in the home? Then we'll do the best we can because I believe this, and you hear me. You pray for mom and dad, mom and dad get saved. I can promise you it changes everything in the household. Teach the Word of God. Chad, I struggle reading the Bible. There was a word that I used to use when I tried to lose a bunch of weight one time. It's called discipline. Read the Word of God. You don't have to be a theologian to share the gospel with your kids. You don't have to have some special education. You don't have to have 17 degrees. All you need is Scripture that is God-breathed and show the example. The Bible says to me very clearly, to write the law of God upon your walls and doors and lentils. Teach them for children. Lois and Eunice did that. Do you realize the impact of this one mother and this one grandmother used this one man to change the course of a lot of people's histories? Have you ever thought about that? If you ever get a chance, I want you to watch the video of Fernando Ortega playing a tribute to Ruth Graham called Give Me Jesus. And as he is singing his song, Give Me Jesus, it is showing the skits of Ruth Graham's funeral. And in Ruth Graham's funeral, you see Franklin gets up there and says this, she taught all of us children to love the Lord God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. See, several of her children were prodigal too. I know a lot of you may be saying, look, Chad, 
I raise my kids in fear and admonition, Lord. What about me? Don't Proverbs 22, 6 say, raise a child in the way that she should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it? Yes, it does. But let me tell you something. Listen to me real clearly, ladies and men, but mothers. I want you to understand that if you teach the Word of God in your household, they may be for a while depart that truth, but it will always be ingrained in their head. I'm going to tell you why. How many of you ever heard of a man named John Newton? You see, John Newton would write a song that you all know by the name of Amazing Grace that we sing so loudly and clear. You see, John Newton's mom taught him at the age of four to read and write. Four. She used to teach the catechism to him. But John Newton's mama died when I think he was seven years old. And John went his way. You see, history tells us that John Newton was a seller of slaves in Africa. He was a man that was real big in the British slave trade. But one day, God got a hold of that heart. And the same mother that taught him the gospel many years ago came to a reality of him one day on a ship in the middle of the night in a storm. And he fell on his knees and cried out for mercy. And he would pen the phrase, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Be faithful, mothers. I would tell you this. As much as their husbands and the next generation would love for your wife to be able to cook, or their wife to be able to cook, I would rather have a woman that loves Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you this. Any time talking about Christ in your household, your daughters, your sons, is not wasted time. Amen? Number three. Listen. Live a life worthy of Christ fearlessly. Live a life worthy of Christ fearlessly. You see, the thing about me is that I used to make excuses why not to go to church. Why not to fellowship with my wife and kids? And something that breaks my heart to this day, that a vision that I'll never forget, is I decide to shave my oldest son's head because he needed a haircut. And I messed it up so bad. He was, what, three? Three. And I remember dropping him off at Bible school with his tank top on, his dirty little shoes, and embarrassed because I'd messed up. But his mama wanted him in church But I was always worried about what other people think. I was not saved. 
and I can't take that back. But I praise God that I married a woman that wanted her kids to hear the word of God when dad wouldn't stand up. You're making a difference, moms. And I can see his little face to this day. But I praise God that now my son is a believer in Jesus Christ. And he's active in his church. Because I have to believe that the things that were taught in the home learned and stuck with him. Women, you may be in a house where your husband's not the lead. You honor him because he is given by God the head of the house, but he should never lead you into sin. You stand up for the word of God. You see, when you stand up for the word of God, it will make an impact on you that you'll never forget. You see, William McKinley, when he was president, his mother was dying. And he had a very strong relationship with his mom. She was a Christian lady. And he'd have a train ready at all times to take him by the bedside of his mom because he knew she was going to die soon. And when the word came, he jumped on that train and he held his mama till she died. And four years later, William McKinley would be assassinated by a bullet. But the lesson that he had learned and been taught was the word of God for when he died, his dying breath was, I forgive that man that shot me. He held no ill will. And he asked him to sing, Near my God to thee. And he would die. Listen to me, people. You can either teach your children to love Christ or you can teach them to hate the world. You can teach them to follow the words and work of Jesus Christ, or you can teach them to follow the works and work, the world and works of the world. What are we teaching our kids? Mothers, we need you. I think that when we all leave this world, it is our prayer that all who come behind us find us faithful. Can that be said about you? I want you to understand that regardless of where you stand in this world, mothers, you've been given a blessing by God to mother a child. Like I said, whether it's adopted, whether you're a godmother, whether you're a school mother, you have been entrusted to handle a child, one of God's greatest gifts. What you do with that gift speaks volumes. We need you. We need godly women who will stand up and say, regardless of what you may do or feel, I will not compromise the word of God. 
You know, I will say this in closing. My kids will tell you we were talking about favoritism the other day. And one thing that my children will talk to you, tell you, is I don't show favorites to my kids. As my oldest son once said, I'm ruthless to everybody. I have never shown favorites. Because whether one's more talented than the other in another area, or whether one's more of an athlete, whether one's more of a bookworm, whether one's, it doesn't matter. They're all created for a purpose to glorify God. And I will not, and my wife will not raise our children in something that we want them to be. We want them to be raised in what God wants them to be. But we were sitting there talking about that. And we were talking about how, you know, oftentimes when we don't get, and we did this as children, what we want, we got upset. I can remember times when I was a child, and this is funny, because it actually played off a conversation I had at work Friday with some guys. We're all reminiscing about our childhood. Talking about most of the spankings we got, we deserved. And we're sitting there laughing, it kind of filtered over into this conversation when I was talking about, you know, some moms could throw a a macaroni spoon from here to the wall and hit you right in the head, you know. And it was funny because everybody's telling different things about how different punishment, going out and getting your own hickory, going out and doing some, if you don't know what that means, I'll tell you about it later, but anyway. uh, There's different things that different punishments we give. And here's the thing. The one thing that we all came up to is there must be consistency in our lives. Consistency. And consistently pertains to several things. Number one, it means consistently, if you are a Christian, that you show in your family that you love Christ. You've got to be consistent in it. If you're not consistent in it, then you've got to ask yourself, am I saved? Number two, you have to be consistent in how you raise your children. And there again, I'm not super prepared. I'm Dr. Spock or Chuck Swindoll or whoever. Okay, I have my own problems. But again, we've got to be consistent. Because consistency shows us that we don't believe life is going to be fair to everybody. Okay? God's not fair. God's not fair. Because if God was fair, we'd all go to hell. But we have to be consistent. And not only do we need to be consistent in our homes and with our children, we need to be consistent in every aspect of our being. You see, James tells us that a person that, that lacks in faith is like somebody that's tossed around in the ocean. It's like somebody that sits on a fence, either one way or the other. You have to be consistent. And I promise you, children recognize consistency. They'll see it. And the whole point of this is I'm bringing up this. Listen to me real good. I guarantee you, and I've heard it when I was a child, it might made me mad at my mama. I'm sure my children got mad at their mama. Well, so-and-so has this. So-and-so got that. And the old proverbial saying, well, I'm not so-and-so's mom. We don't give our children everything we want, moms and dads. But with God's word, we'll give them everything that they need. And there must be a consistency to stay in the word 
and work of Christ. To take up residence. Let me tell you the rest of the story of Timothy. Timothy would make an impact in this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a young man. That even Paul will say, don't let people look down on your age. But according to church history, Timothy was clubbed to death for his faith. He was beaten unrecognizable. Because I honestly believe that that faith that his grandmother taught him, grandmother and mother, it carried him to the end. And his last breath on this earth was his first in the presence of Jesus Christ. Mothers, you make a difference. You are special. And this is your day. And I pray that as you leave this place, don't worry about the regrets of yesterday. You said, Chad, I did a lot of things wrong as a mom. Well, then what are you doing now? The great thing about Jesus Christ is he forgives. Then press forward. Chad, I've made a lot of mistakes. You know what? So have I. But again, Christ will move and he will forgive. And listen to me, moms. You may not have been there when your baby was little. You may not have shared the things you should have shared. But they're still your babies regardless of how old they are. Amen? That's not going to change. My kids hate to hear me call them my babies. My oldest one. Come here, baby. They're still my child. And their soul still matters. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives. God, we pray today that, Lord, as we come before you, we celebrate moms. We celebrate the consistent prayers of the moms that didn't give up. We celebrate the moms whose children have just grown special in you. And you've used them for mighty things. God, not everybody's child will be a Timothy. There's already one. But God, regardless of which way that child goes, we are been instructed to teach the Word of God. And that knowledge will always reside in their head. God, all we can do is be faithful to your Word. But God, I thank you for praying mothers. I thank you for mothers who would stand on the doctrine of the Word of God and not be moved. The world might not like it, but I believe that heaven rejoices when a lost person comes to Jesus. Lord, thank you for the examples that you set. Lord, for those that have, you have used for mighty ways, God, I believe you will continue to use those that were not close to you, that have been saved for mighty ways. Mighty ways. Lord, whether they're children's one or whether they're 59, God, what we do now is what matters. One thing about our past, we can say that it's gone and there ain't nothing we can do about it. But what we can do is what lies ahead of us. And that's a fact. I once was lost, but now I'm found. God, I pray that every person that has wandered, whatever age they may be, they, they may be found. And Lord, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. For just like I had a praying wife that prayed for her children, that prayed for me, Lord, she never gave up and was consistent in her prayer life. 
And God, you called me. And Lord, it was a little later in life, but I tell you this, as long as we have breath in our lungs, God, there's still a chance. Let us be faithful. Let us be consistent. Lord, that all may come behind us will find us faithful. We love you and praise you. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us.